0: Hey world, Dr. Scott Sigmund here. Today's episode of the Ortho Show podcast is going to be sponsored by OrthoLaser Orthopedic Laser Centers. I am absolutely convinced that the effects of this pandemic are going to linger for months, if not years. The way in which we deliver medical care is going to be changed forever. We have no idea when the operating rooms are open. There's going to be a long line for elective surgery. And when they do reopen, we're not even sure if we're going to be at full capacity. Basically, there's going to be a huge backlog of elective joint replacement for the elderly. There's also going to be many young patients that are going to say, you know, I just can't do surgery right now, doc. I need to get back into the workforce. I need to earn some money. I need to provide for my family. So basically, we're going to have to be forced as as docs to find alternative treatment options for our patients for acute and chronic pain. OrthoLaser, orthopedic laser centers powered by MLS M8 laser technology is going to be that solution. Uh, the FDA-cleared MLS M8 laser treatments are painless and only take about 10 minutes. So here's the deal, everybody. Our ortho laser centers are currently open in Boston, Newburgh, New York, Lexington, Kentucky, Pensacola, Florida, and soon to be open in Atlanta, Hartford, and Portsmouth, New Hampshire. These franchise opportunities are available at this time all across the country, so whether you're an interested patient or a doctor who wants to know more, please visit www.ortholaserwithaz.com. Again, www.ortholaserwithaz.com to learn more.
1: From Medical Media, this is The Ortho Show.
0: Hello world, this is Dr. Scott Sigmund, the original opioid-sparing orthopedic surgeon, healer of knees and shoulders left and right, social media influencer, hashtag follow the fro, and now proud host of the Ortho Show podcast. Our mission at the Ortho Show podcast is to provide you transparent, unfiltered, real-time information direct from the experts in their respective fields all aspects of our lives have been upended. Three weeks ago, I was a busy orthopedic surgeon in high demand. And now at this point, I'm trying to be the best dad I can be, Uh, being a supportive husband, a cook, a dog walker, dishwasher, and yes, now a podcaster standing in my master bedroom closet. I don't know about you guys. I just can't watch the news anymore. There's so much sadness and misinformation. We're going to change that. We're going to be bringing you super smart people to get the message straight to you. And speak of the devil, we have our first Guest on our new series of the podcast, Doctor uh, Mike uh, Gry rhymes with why we. So it's a. I got. I got to ask you, dude. You, you must have to <laughs> say that every single time you, you introduce every, yourself.
1: Every time, every time. You know, I, I actually gave up on pronouncing my last name a long time ago, there, Scott. So uh, I do appreciate you having me on the show. I'm excited to be here and can't wait to share some uh, experiences I've had with with telemedicine and Ortho Live.
0: That's awesome. So, so Mike is the, the CEO of Ortho Live, which is a, a teleconferencing company. We'll get to that in a little bit, but just, let's just talk a little bit about what's happening in your life right now. So, you know, you're a busy orthopedic surgeon, you're doing all these cases, you're kind of a big deal, and now all of a sudden, here you are. So what are you doing to keep busy?
1: Yeah, you know, it's, it's been amazing, Scott. You said it best. I think, you know, we've all had our lives upended by this uh, crisis and, you know, I think three weeks ago, I, I did 20 cases, um, and, you know, that was a, a normal week for me. I operate usually three times a week. I do shoulder replacement. I do rotator cuff repair. And uh, this week <clears throat> alone, I think I did maybe, you know, two cases. Uh, and and, and that's, that's on emergency things, fractures and fractures of the shoulder. Uh, I specialize in shoulder and elbow surgery, so you know, just like you, I mean, our lives are completely upended. So I've been at home, I've been hanging out with the kids. I built a fort in the backyard.
0: You're fishing or doing anything fun with the kids. I mean, that, you know, it's a great yeah. opportunity to reconnect with family. It, That's the positive it is. in this.
1: I mean, you got, everybody's putting the positive spin on it. And to be honest, you know, it's been great. I, I went down, I built a fort in the woods behind my house with the kids. They love it. We put a little uh, hammock back there, but I mean, it is, we're reconnecting with family. I mean, I think there is a silver lining to all this, but uh, despite the the craziness so yeah
0: i think it's really important to try and keep a schedule you know i'm still up at 6 a.m yes. working out on my peloton 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 i'm wor- peloton you're going to be a sponsor of this podcast you just don't know it yet <laughs> <laughs> what's your
1: what's your screen name scott <laughs> follow
0: the fro dude that one's not so hard <laughs> really follow the fro um. So uh, <laughs> So yeah, so I get up, I do my Peloton, I walk my dog You know, I then make my breakfast I wake the kids up, I make them get up early I got 17-year-olds and, and a 15-year-old And I think my, my 17-year-old Caleb probably said it best He's like, Dad, there are no more days of the week anymore There's today, yeah. there's tomorrow, and there's yesterday And you know, it's, there's a lot, of, a lot of truth in that for sure
1: Yeah, very true How bad
0: is it out there in Kentucky?
1: You know, we've actually been okay in uh, in the Kentucky area in terms of the rest of the country. Um, you know, we've had you know a lower number of cases, um, you know, per capita. But it's still uh, it's still everybody's kind of on edge, you know. And um, and I you know I think it's it's a tough situation. We live very close to Cincinnati. They've had a lot of cases there. Uh, Ohio just had a lockdown, uh, sort of shelter at home type of uh, order put in place. I imagine that Kentucky will uh, follow suit here pretty soon. So, you know, it's, it's definitely affected our way of life. There's no question about it. Yeah, we're you know how about you guys?
0: Yeah, New York is obviously terrible. Sharif Bechet, one of my dear friends in Detroit, I know you know Sharif too. He's mm. he says Detroit's in complete lockdown. But in Boston we're we're bad, but we're not super bad. My local hospital, we got we have, you know, a couple dozen patients, but we're not surging yet, is what everybody keeps to say. I'm I'm sticking with the story that we're not gonna surge. I can't help myself. That's my story. I'm sticking with it. I'm hoping Stay that it's not so bad, exactly. But we'll see how it rolls. And by the way, did I did I tell you that I use the Peloton for exercise?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I do too. I do too. Now I don't have as great of a, a screen name. Mine's just M. Grywe. All right. That's it. You know. So well, I'll have to follow you on there. But I I get on there about six a.m. myself Eastern Time, and I was grinding away on there today. So you know.
0: I- it's amazing how many people are on right now, right? I mean, it used to be twenty-two thousand,
1: right? Twenty-two thousand
0: for, for one for one class, I and know. there's nobody in the class, right? Uh, <laughs> there's nobody physically in the class, but everybody's still getting there. It's hysterical. I
1: know it's unbelievable. Yeah, all so, oh, good. It's good.
0: All right, so let's dive in here a little bit. Let's talk about uh, about what it takes to start your own business. Now, first of all, I'm going to lay this out, and I don't know if all of your patients and, and family know, but, uh, but Mike is the, was a Newt Rockney Award winner at Notre Dame for athletic and academic excellence. Man, that shit's real. That's not easy at Notre <laughs> Dame.
1: There, well, there are some smart yeah.
0: people and some great athletes there.
1: I was very blessed. You know, I, I went to Notre Dame um, on a wing and a prayer, basically, hoping that I would make the track and cross-country team. I was actually a, a walk on um, there, Scott, and, and uh, through four years of just hard work and grinding away, um, ended up captain my, my senior year. And I think, you know, my coach really felt like, you know, I was the, the um, Rudy story for cross country. So I got put up for this award, and, and lo and behold, um, you know, I got it at the end of the year, but I, I had a great experience there. Um, so, yeah, thank you very much for that. It, it was uh, quite, a, quite a fun time.
0: Uh, that's impressive. I played lacrosse at Tufts, and I won the oh. MUJP award. The MUJP award for my gen- my senior year, the most useless Jewish player. But having said that, <laughs> we still we, we got a pretty good team now. Anyway, all right. So look, man. It so I, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm innovative. You know, I'm the chief medical officer of Ortho Laser, amongst other things. So. It ain't easy starting a new business, right? So, yeah, so you know, know how it is. Yeah. You know, Breen Brown, do you know who she is? She's, no, uh, I haven't met her. She's the soon to be number two uh, podcaster in the U.S., as we surpass her with the Ortho Show. But no, she's amazing. She's a research professor down in Texas, and she talks about. You know what it takes to go and try something new you know to to go to a vulnerable spot you need you know yeah. you need courage to have innovation and change so so what did you see and, and why why did you think ortho alive needed to come to fruition
1: yeah that 's a great great question. I think you know when I thought about founding ortho alive, it was really out of the need I saw in my own practice i I wanted to be able to reach the patients that were in my rural community uh, that had to drive three or four hours to see me for shoulder replacement. And they, they, couldn't, they couldn't get there. Sometimes it was very difficult for them. Um, many of them came from a, a background that didn't really allow them to have access to you know, travel and that type of thing. So I started to look into solutions to be able to see them via telemedicine. So I, I um, you know, reached out to a few people um, in the telemedicine industry and ultimately found out that the solutions out there were not very great for a busy practicing surgeon or a busy physician in general there just weren't you know weren't situations where i could go in and and see a patient and move on to the next patient and see a patient move When on.
0: was this i'm just curious
1: This was 2016 so um, late 2016 i started to kind of like look into solutions and never really found that there was anything that worked well for patients and physicians you know that was the key um and like you said you know you, you got to put yourself out there if you decide to do something you got to go in you know full bore and and uh, put your nose down and and give it your best shot like you've done with ortho laser it's it's a hard grind you know but um a lot of you know years later and a lot of hard work and and a lot of sleepless nights and and early mornings and you can get to some place that's uh that's you know good. So.
0: so you're so you're embracing the suck of your early business, right? <laughs> and you're like, yeah. I've got this great idea. We're gonna change the way we do things, and you're sort of plodding along, right? It doesn't happen, it didn't happen overnight, right? And no. Did you have seed money? Where'd you get the money to get started?
1: Yeah, we I uh, approached my partners first that were here at Ortho Cincy, and we talked about, you know, um, starting this business and Um, a lot of them saw the value because there really is a a great value in in even private practice orthopedics to see patients virtually. And initially, the, the first reaction, of course, when you mentioned telemedicine for orthopedics is how do you examine somebody, right? So, we fought that a little bit um but you know people realized that you know imaging follow up for instance was a great opportunity post operative recheck appointments great opportunity to be able to see patients and have it be convenient and then we looked at the numbers from a convenience standpoint after we got started and people started to believe you know we had 90% patient satisfaction we had you know 4.7 out of 5 stars with the application and you know people really did like it but it was an uphill battle there's no question we um you know, we raised some seed money. We got started, and and it was uh, it was a long road. There's no question. So, you
0: know, look, you know, telephone conversations within business is just it's natural, right? Every time I pick up the phone to call my lawyer for for hi, Bill Mandel, appreciate you, you're awesome, and uh, <laughs> I'm happy to pay you, but he, he's not giving me any free phone calls.
1: No, right? Yeah, so, exactly.
0: So, so the question is, so you have this thing, and and let's be let's be frank, right? Telemedicine, at least within uh, CMS and Medicare, was really about the fact that these patients were rural. They couldn't get to the doctor. And that's so they would pay you that very small percentage of patient uh, to be able to have a visit with them. But that was it. I mean, there was no embracing phone call follow-ups or evaluations. They basically said, you can do it if you want, but it's all included in all the other stuff we're doing for you. So that must have been a huge, a huge, you know, a mountain to climb.
1: It was. And, you know, one of the things that encouraged me along the way is that, you know, it was so hard that no one else was going to try to do it. (laughs) So I actually thought to myself, you know, there is no one else crazy enough to try to climb this mountain. And, um, you know, I I thought, okay, well, you know, we may be the only group in orthopedics to do this. And we really were, you know, and and, um, the reason for just what you said, you know, like we couldn't see patients in a rural environment unless they were at a health center. Um, and, you know, Medicare, we couldn't, you know, we, we could see Medicaid patients, um, and we could see commercial paying patients. But my billers even were very concerned about, you know, how do we bill for this? And what do we do? And, and you know, there was a lot of pushback that we received. And, and we received practices all over the country, even when we started to ramp up a little bit. So it, it has been an uphill battle. But, you know, finally, we're starting to get to, you know, a place where, you know, telemedicine is being more accepted.
0: Yeah, that's, that's awesome. So, you know, our audience is really going to be everybody. You know, my, my kids' friends are listening. We've got, you know, I, I've got a big following on LinkedIn for the medical device industry and pharma industry as well. So it's not really just about doctors that we're talking to, we're talking to the patients as well. Um, yeah. so, so, do me a favor. One of the things that drives me freaking crazy is HIPAA. Okay. So, walk us through for the audience what is HIPAA and why the hell do we need it? Because it's a total pain in the ass.
1: <laughs> I mean, I like the way you put it. I mean, it's true. It's, it, is, it is a pain, um, and, and there's no, there's no two, two ways about it. It, it is a difficult uh, law. It's hard to, to make sure that you're following it at all times, but it is so important. It is so important from a, a patient privacy perspective, and that's really what it's all about. It's about maintaining people's privacy and keeping their health records their own. No one else can see them, so that they're, uh, they're protected, you know, and that's, that's really what it comes down to. HIPAA is a group of rules, basically, that outlines, you know, how we manage patient records. And the way that we manage patient records in this country has been governed by that, and it allows us not to make mistakes and leak information about patients that they don't want to have out there in the public. So it is <laughs> what you said. It's a pain in the neck. Um, It's not fun, um, but we we do it because it's what's best for society. So I I think in a nutshell, that's what it means to me. What do you think?
0: Well, I think you put it beautifully, and I know I was making light of it for sure, but but patient privacy is huge. I mean, right now, it's interesting how how it's really become – uh, so um, so popular, not popular, but how it's it encroaching on every now aspect. It used to be, I could text one of my colleagues, "Hey, do me a favor, check the labs on so and so to make sure they're okay." But now we have an encrypted system. We use Tiger Text, but yeah. it's an encrypted system so that I, you know, so that nobody can grab these texts out of the air and be able to know a patient information. So it is super important. I don't mean to make light of it, but it, it must be so so. So talk to us about that. How is it possible, right, because we're going to talk a little bit now post-pandemic. This is still yeah. all pre-pandemic. So, so what do you, you have to have, a portal or something? How does it work? Because the patient has to send you their information eventually, right?
1: Right, right. So, you know, the basic thing is that, that information has to be secure on one side, where it, where it resides with the patient, first of all. And get Then it gets sent, obviously. It gets sent to a server. While it's being sent, it also has to be secure. It needs to be encrypted some way. So in transmission, that information needs to be encrypted. And then when it hits your site, wherever it, that, that information is being stored, it also needs to be secure in that area as well. And so, you know, as that data is transmitted, we have to secure it. Uh, it needs to be encrypted. Um, some of the information, um, especially if, if um, apps are, you know, collecting credit card information, things like that, it has to be tokenized, so it it really can't even be decrypted. Um, and so there there's a lot of rules and regulations about that. And um, you know, that's really part of what we designed when we designed our app is to to make sure that in transit and and where the information resides, we we all have it completely. Um, under wraps and secure.
0: So you have a HIPAA compliant teleconferencing system and an app that's available commercially today. Do you have competition?
1: Oh yeah, there is so much competition now, Scott. It's unreal. Now we didn't have a lot of competition prior to this pandemic. Um, in fact, we were like a niche um, boutique service, really, for orthopedic surgeons. And you know, we had a lot of large groups and in, inside the United States prior to the pandemic, but. As soon as the pandemic hit, we saw a rush of other um, you know, people into the marketplace, and, and that's really what's happened. Um, there's been a lot of sort of uh, low-cost uh, entry into the market, which is great, uh, fosters competition. But um, ultimately, when you get down to the details of what the application actually does – there are a lot that are limited. I mean, some don't even have consents um, for telemedicine at all. And one of the laws for telemedicine is, you know, you have to consent the patient to being seen via telemedicine. So it's very important. Um, you know, and there's there are certain things that we have to follow to, to make sure we stay above board.
0: All right. So let me ask you one more time. How do you exercise in the morning?
1: So I like to run. But yeah. I do get on the Peloton occasionally, the, probably twice a week.
0: The Peloton. <laughs> Peloton everybody who's listening out there.
1: Right. Uh, <laughs> Are you scared you're not sponsored by Peloton already? I'm
0: going to be sponsored by Peloton. <laughs> I'm telling you. They don't know it yet, but we're coming. That's uh, great. That's awesome. So, all right. So, so now now we have this this sucky, you know, global pandemic that comes in and screws up everybody's lives, you know, medically, emotionally, yeah, um, and financially. And all of a sudden, you come to the forefront. Medicare comes out with a waiver. What's it, the 1135 waiver or something like that? Yeah. Which all of a sudden says, we don't need HIPAA anymore for teleconferencing, and we're going to pay you for mm-hmm. teleconferencing as if you were actually seeing the patient. Were you like, did you shake in the middle of the night? Was it like a lightning <laughs> storm?
1: That I mean, tell me. I mean, this is something that you've been working uh, for for
0: four years, and all of a sudden, bam,
1: there it is. You know, I knew that these laws were going to change. I mean, they had to, right? Every other state in the country had parity laws for commercial insurance. And the next thing was Medicare. And I thought, well, maybe it's a year or two away. And we were sort of preparing for that time frame in a year or two. And what happened was like overnight, the floodgates opened. And all of a sudden, you know, there were just masses of, you know, interested parties to go ahead and get started with telemedicine. And we went, you know, uh, and basically grew about 10 times over in a matter of two weeks. It was a, an unbelievable, um, you know, floodgates that, that sort of opened. And uh, it, was, it, was, um, it was crazy. I mean, I, I knew that it would change how people viewed things. But uh, right now, you know, telemedicine is, is being, you know, used to keep the lights on in certain places. And it's, it's a terrible reality, but it, it is the way it is now
0: and it's also just a way to be able to continue communicating with our patients i mean as doctors that's what we love that's our passion right is to care for our patients and without telemedicine right now they're at a distance you can't see them and there are people that still need to be treated evaluated you can do it safely now from home without risking exposure to your to your patients as well as your staff which you you know we're so concerned about so so i mean let's let's talk about this though because it there's a there's a good side and a bad side to this thing right so you're HIPAA compliant. You've been following the rules all along. The light switch goes on right now. And now I'm, I'm hoping that Zoom actually is going to buy you. That's one of my questions for you later on. But, <laughs> you know, the point is, you know, you've marketed this whole thing. And now all of a sudden, all these other teleconferencing things can come in that are not HIPAA regulated, right. and they're doing a lot of business. What are your thoughts?
1: You know, uh, absolutely. Like right now, we have, um, you know, non-HIPAA regulated companies sort of coming in. I think, during this crisis, we're going to see this sort of, you know, mountain of um, of groups kind of coming in, a bunch of groups coming in, trying to do uh, do telemedicine. A lot of them may not be HIPAA compliant, but ultimately, at the end of this, we're going to have to go back and say, you know what, privacy is still important. We have to take care of patients. We got to take good care of their information. We need to make sure we take w- wonderful care of patients. And you know what, what's seeming to happen is that. Private practitioners and people at hospital levels at the regional level, they were losing patients to, you know, online, you know, carriers, sometimes Teladoc, MD Live, different things. What we're doing now is we're supporting it from the grassroots level, and we're helping to see our own patients via telemedicine right now, which I think is is the right thing. So at the end of this, you know, everything's going to kind of come back. We're going to have the pendulum swing back, and we're going to see that HIPAA, you know, privacy laws and things like that are all still important. And we got to be able to still take great care of patients um, in a safe and secure way.
0: And then Ortho Live is going to be a sponsor of the Ortho Show podcast because <laughs> you're going to be kicking I'm, ass and taking I'm numbers. I'm in. All right, I'm in, right, Scott. We got, we got a long way to go still, but I'm in. All right. But I'm going to hold you to it. Um, so let's go back because I think there's a couple of important things that, that for the, the listeners out there about what we're doing now and how we can do it. Um, so, it, so it used to. The, so one of the stumbling blocks was first and foremost that patient information and HIPAA and privacy. The other major stumbling block was is that you weren't getting paid for your time as a physician when you were trying to contact these patients and be able to care for them. So now with this new law and the commercial payers are following suit with Medicare they're actually paying, I want to be clear about this, guys, they're they're paying doctors the rate as if you were seeing them in the office, which really allows us to keep the lights on. I don't know about you, but I, I, I'm seeing 40 patients a week, where mm-hmm. pre-pandemic, I was seeing 40 patients a morning with two nurse practitioners. Right. So, you know, we're doing the best we can. So what are your thoughts on that?
1: I agree. Um, what's What's interesting is just what you said, you know, Parity, This it's called parity law, by the way. So, so when you um, you know search the internet for telemedicine parity, uh, basically what it means is that you get paid the exact same amount, as you mentioned, in the office as you would for telemedicine, which is great. And that's the way it was in 40 states pre-pandemic. 40 states had telemedicine parity laws for commercial insurance, Scott. So then post-pandemic, now we've got Medicare has opened everything up. And, and everything's been opened up for the commercial insurers as well. And now we have the ability to see patients across state lines, which we did not have before. What we had before was if you were in Massachusetts, but your patient was in New York, you could not see that patient. You could not see them legally via telemedicine. Seems crazy because, you know, we might make a phone call to a patient in New York and you might be 20 miles away from that patient, but you still couldn't see him via telemedicine. You couldn't bill for him. But now they have taken down all the state laws that regulate you know, whether or not you can see a patient from Texas, if I'm in Ohio, and everything else. So, so it has opened up things considerably, and you have parity now. So you know, we can still bill the same amount that we normally would be able to in the office, which, which helps tremendously. And we're still able to render great care of being telemedicine too, and that's the most important thing.
0: Yeah, all great points. So so it's it's fascinating. So we want some of the things to come back, right? We want HIPAA to come back. That's right. But what we don't want to have come back is some of this restraints that we've had as clinicians in being able to care for our patients with teleconferencing. So you have to believe that we are not going to be practicing medicine the same way post pandemic as we were pre.
1: No question, Scott. You are absolutely right, 100%, without a doubt. This is going to change the way that we practice. It's going to change how we do medicine, you know, uh, and practice medicine today. And I really anticipate things are going to um, change, probably for the better, for patients. I mean, it's ultimately about the patients. It's about convenience. It's about, you know, seeing our patients and taking good care of them. And I think telemedicine provides a way to give them convenience, access to the best, you know, medical care, no matter where they are and uh, giving them a great a great outcome in the, in the long run.
0: So I'm going to throw out a little bit of a plug. I was actually on a pretty cool webinar uh, earlier today with, with Robin Young through uh, uh, Orthopedic This Week. It's, uh, he's, uh, it was a, a master's class where we had about six people on, three doctors, and Mike's going to be on for us in a couple of weeks as well. But one of the people that we had on was Lauren Craig from MACRA, and she gave a really good presentation about cpt coding uh, for for teleconferencing in this new era, uh, so if everybody 's around two weeks from now uh, on April sixteenth at eleven o 'clock uh, uh, both uh, are you i 'm not sure Mike' going to be on that one are you going to be on for April thirtieth i 'm not sure, but I think you have an email in your box you haven 't even opened yet, uh, but we 're going to be That's on to discuss why. yeah exactly, and then lauren 's going to be there too to be able to to be able to give us a explanation on those Cpt codes, which I think is is really important because we 're all figuring this out as we go as well right
1: yeah no question there's uh there's a lot of you know question about how do you bill and uh what you know do you use um any additional codes at the end uh any modifiers and things like that so it is important
0: yeah, man. So I really want to thank you, Mike. This was, this was great. This is exactly what we're trying to do here on the Ortho show is really try to, to provide direct information, you know, to our listeners. So if you had to sum it up, okay, and I want you to think about this really well for, because it affects both doctors and patients. Give us, you know, just give us a, a 30 second how the, how you think teleconferencing is going to change the delivery of medicine in the future.
1: Well, you know, Scott, my, my thoughts are this. I think telemedicine has the power to be able to reach the farthest reaches of, you know, the country where people don't have access to care. I think that's number one. I think it's gonna change access to care for patients that don't otherwise have good access to the best, you know, physicians that they, they can get to. That's number one. Number two, it's going to allow patients and physicians to be able to interact in a much more seamless way. In a way that's convenient for both the doctor and the patient. So, one of the things that bothers us as surgeons and physicians is that te- you know technology has hurt us for a long time, right? EHRs—it's been—it's been really bad. Uh, it's been tough. It's slowed us down. It's—it's it's made it difficult for us to practice. But, but with this, this is actually a way to improve the efficiency of our offices. It's a way to improve the convenience for our patients, and honestly, the convenience for the physicians too. So I I honestly believe it's going to be a positive in the long run, even though we're going through some major headaches right now and it's difficult. But this change is going to effectively improve uh, how we're able to care for our patients.
0: Well, we're super proud to have had you on for our first episode with me as a host. I can't thank you enough, Mike. Uh, Here at The Ortho Show, I want to be clear once again, we're going to provide you solutions and, and pathways to emerge out of this pandemic. This is Dr. Scott Sigmund, hashtag follow the fro host of the ortho show podcast till next time.